Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today's episode is called What It Was Versus What It Is Now. Toxic Expectations of the 2000s, going back in time. I know, throwing it back. We (laughs) thought this would be, I guess, not even like a bit of a fun one, but a really good opportunity to reflect on like how far things have come since we were growing up. And it seems so surreal to reflect on some of these things because you just go, oh my goodness, like I can't believe that was something that we used to look up to or aspire to be or crave to have. Yeah, and it's very important to reflect on because a lot of people still hold on to these thoughts and memories just in the way that it was delivered in magazines and TV. You know, um, people weren't really educated on any other options. Um, So it's always a good time going down memory lane. But in terms of today's episode, it was quite alarming and how we just sort of went about these things and didn't really question it. I mean, we were a lot younger, 22 Mm. years ago now, which is crazy. Wow. um, (laughs) Yeah, it was was a time indeed. But before before we get into today's episode, what's been going on with you since you came back from Queensland, man? Oh, I've had the roughest week. (laughs) It's so funny. I always say this to my clients and sometimes I need to bite my own tongue is sometimes the universe will slow you down if you don't do it uh, for yourself. So when you're running at a million miles an hour, sometimes the universe will go, nah, not today. You need to slow down and have a break. And unfortunately, when we got back from the Gold Coast on, uh, we got back Tuesday, Mm. but I didn't test till Wednesday morning. Luke tested positive um, for the Mm. the spicy cough. Um, So naturally I'm like, right. No, actually my first response was in denial. I was like, I'm not going to get it. I'm fine. I'm so fine. My body is a temple. That was me. I was like, (laughs) I'm fine. Luke, you're blow up mattress in the bedroom. Off you go. Um, and I was very hopeful and guys just to um spoiler alert like I I am testing negative but Mm. I have had some mild symptoms Mm. um still testing negative like day five now still testing negative I'm doing those nasal tests every day and my god they are not fun like I reckon (laughs) for for the when COVID first came out I was used to work in a testing thing and I'd test people and yeah it's different on the other side oh so you've been putting it up people's noses before well yeah at the start I used to do this um like do the odd um testing it was the nose and then the throat back then yeah yeah it's not fun throat then nose (laughs) yeah once mum did it the wrong way around and then she's like oh fuck well I have to do the throat but I was like you know it's usually three centimeters up one nostril three centimeters up the other and I was like as if like looking at Luke your three centimeters is the same as my three centimeters like I have a little nose this is so unfair (laughs) anyways and because I'm I'm still testing negative I'm doing them daily as well which is even more frustrating but still testing negative and I think I've just come (laughs) to the conclusion that I'm not showing the signs of COVID that Mm. are, I guess, renowned for having COVID, like the respiratory Mm. symptoms, the temperatures, all of those sorts of things. And I generally just think I might have picked something up, like at the airport or on the plane or just, you know, colds and flus because they still do exist. That's Um, the thing, right? We can't um, discredit all of those things. Yeah. 
but at the back end of it now, so nothing to complain about. Isolation feels very different this time around. Like mm. it made me reflect on Melbourne and I feel sick even thinking yeah. about it. I don't know how we did it for so long. I know, man. Let's never do it again, oh. please. That was very traumatizing. RIP, still recovering. PTSD. Mm. Um, Literally. But, and then to, just to, just to polish it off, I did get my period on Friday too. And I was like, can <laughs> Throw that in the mix. But I feel like that happens, right? Every time there's a a heightened stress in the body, such as a cold or something, your period does come as well. I feel like they go hand in hand sometimes. Just get it out of the way, call it a week, and then just start fresh. Is Luke okay? Yeah, he's fine. He's past the hump. We both sort of are. Like, I don't yeah. know whether I got it or not, but we're both um, like, I think it's day five or day six. We get out on Wednesday um, morning anyways, mm-hmm. uh, out of lockdown. But um, I was actually talking to like a few of the girls that we went away with for that week. And a lot, like there's a couple of them that are quite run down and sick. Yeah. And I mentioned, uh, especially Kate, who competed on the weekend. She's as sick as a dog, the poor thing. Really? Um, but I was talking to her and I was also reflecting on something we spoke about a while ago called that let down effect and it just mm-hmm. reminded me of it is you know whenever you're really in that fight or flight sympathetic nervous system activation adrenaline cortisol like running off that high and we all know like even when we're in peak week Danny like you feel fantastic mm-hmm. the week prior you felt like shit and then yep. all of a sudden you're like on this high yeah um, and I honestly feel like I've been on that high for like the last couple of weeks or like April mm. and it's like, come back. I've got this one week of like respite that was supposed to be like a little downtime going back home, all of those sorts of things yeah. end up happening. And then you get sick. And I feel like it's your body's like sign of saying you've, you've slowed things down a little bit. Like, let's just get you sick now um, yep. because I know you're going to like rev up again. So yeah. it's, it's always a lesson to be learned. Like I think it's important to reflect on when you're run down and when you're sick because it does make me like genuinely appreciate health like mm. as a whole to be like just to feel good. Yeah. You, you take that for granted, like energy in the gym. You really take that for granted. Oh, Even yeah. like being outdoors and space and just going to be able to do whatever you want. Like I had to pull mm. off my own acrylic nails and that was traumatising <laughs> in itself. <laughs> Oh, so the things we do, even being able to breathe through your nose, you take for granted. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. How are you going with the the downtime? It's been interesting. Like the, this is like the first time, and I remember you saying this, Danny. Like I I don't think I've had a proper training week in like two three weeks now. Mm. Um, so it's been really interesting. But I'm I'm at that space, and I feel like you do get to that with a couple of years of solid training, where you're like. Mm couple of weeks a month like it doesn't really make a dent in your progress like when Mm. I've been consistent for five years in the gym um I'm not worried about losing any progress like exactly I've started prep and I did have the questions of like usually if you're sick especially if you've got temperatures I would pull someone out of a deficit depending Mm. on where they're at just because of like natural processes that are going on in the body Um, but I've actually still stayed in the deficit and I've actually really struggled with an appetite I was gonna say most people when you're sick you don't really have an appetite yep. so you just got to get anything in yeah the you old start feel like protein. mentality yeah. oh yeah I know and I'm like I know I'm sick when I'm not hungry like that yeah. is wild to me that never happens have but you been like, having coffee oh wow I haven't reflected on that I've only been really having one which is yeah you're sick <laughs> man you're unwell but no this is this is how I know I'm sick man I ate half my lunch the other day and I was like I don't oh. want it no. And even I skipped dinner the yeah. other night. So that's where I'm like, 
oh, I'm just, I'm not. And then I'm like, I'm not training to like first and foremost, which mm-hmm. really revs up my appetite. Um, yeah. Like if anyone's had a couple of weeks off training, like when I went backpacking, I've spoken about this in the past, it's like no appetite. And I'm like, this is what mm. normal people, I just forget to eat. Like Literally. That's, that is not um, something that happens to gym rats or people that train a lot. So no, no. yeah, appetite's really gone down. Um, and it's sort of like, it doesn't phase me at the moment because I am supposed to be in a fat loss phase. So it doesn't really. It's kind of worked out all right. Yeah, it's kind of worked out. It was a good out. time for it to happen. Exactly. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to just ride these bumps. We're all going to get sick. We're all human. Like you're not being lazy. Like you've got to invest in rest and Mm. you may as well just make sure that like rest hard so you can get back, you know, to your full potential sooner. And sometimes I make that mistake of being like, yeah, I feel good. I'll push a bit harder. And we all do it. We like test the boundary and then you end up feeling worse and having to have more time. So yeah. Yeah. A lesson learned the hard way and things can linger for a long time if you don't hit it on the head now. So we train hard, but we also rest hard when we need. Yeah. And something I've heard as well, which I'm curious to ask you is, um, and because I've heard this from a lot of friends, is people Mm. that have experienced or had COVID, um, it tends to have like a bit of a long lasting cardiovascular effect like not long lasting but a lot of people have noticed with their aerobic fitness level their their capacity to like walk upstairs or like get back into their normal um routine etc and that's something like I've seen in Luke and I, I almost feel a little bit myself, like a bit more mm, puffed. Mm. Is that something that you feel now, like this far on? Oh, not now. I mean, I had it in January, but I think after being out of isolation, so it was seven days, but then I think for two, three weeks after yeah. I was still not right. Mm. Like that's why I started um, paying more attention to cardio because I'm like, this is scary. Like I don't yeah. like feeling like this, even though it was nothing crazy, but it was enough for me to notice um, so that's why I'm now passionate about bringing in cardio and going for long walks, going on cross trainers and bikes. And so, yeah, it definitely can be long lasting, but it also depends on how your actual COVID experience was. Some people might not notice it if you're already quite fit. I mean, I wasn't that cardiovascularly fit. Um, yeah. so I probably did notice it a little bit more, but mm. yeah, it, it will probably hang around. Yeah. Just normal. (laughs) Oh dear, the joys. The joys. Well, we might, I guess, transition into the episode um, Mm. and some of the key topics that we wanted to talk about. And, you know, this was actually triggered by me, something I was thinking about the other day, and I don't (laughs) even know how it come up in my brain, but I was thinking about... Anyone that's like, you know, born in the born in the 90s will be able to reflect on like the era of the thigh gap. Or as I put box gap I didn't know about the word yeah box gap's a bit weird though I think we changed it to thigh gap it used to be box gap but yeah but yeah and for those for those who don't know or for anyone that's like you know maybe a little bit younger than us a thigh gap (laughs) is pretty self-explanatory but what what you would do is you'd put your feet together and the goal was to be able to have a gap between your thighs. And obviously this is so toxic to think about, isn't it? It's Mm. even toxic to explain, but Mm. basically it's obviously uh, implying that you have slim legs, right? So when you put your ankles together, your legs aren't touching. And I was reflecting (laughs) on this because I actually saw a photo in my camera rolls, not like it's almost embarrassing to admit this, but I saw a photo in my camera roll where I was taking a photo of mine when I was like, Mm. I don't know, how old would I be? 18, 19, Mm. maybe so like 10 years ago go now um and this is when I was riding to cardio I I Mm. was like a lot into running like I was I was a runner um and you know 
I am not designed to have a thigh gap, guys. So- I could not imagine you with one. <laughs> So for me to have a thigh gap, I was like at least probably 45 to 50 kilos, which was quite light. Um, And I'm quite like fortunate that I I actually have a really healthy relationship with my body and I always Mm. have. Um, It was just something that was like trendy, you know. It was the cool thing. It was like, yeah, which is so shit to say. It's so shit to say. (laughs) But that is something that when I reflect on like toxic expectations and things out of our era, that's the top one on my um, radar is thinking about skinny jeans and the strive to have a thigh gap. Yeah, man. And I think I've mentioned it in one of the episodes because I don't know where it came how it came about, but um, where Tyra Banks was, te- you know, Australia's, no, not Australia's top model, but like America's top model or whatever. And Tyra Banks was on her and she had her show as well. She was teaching people, because I used to watch it, it was entertaining. Yes, I, she was I know teaching people it. how to make a thigh gap. So mm. I learned how to make one because I didn't have one. I've, I've chafed like a motherfucker my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're a kid, it's not good. I remember one time at Wet and Wild, when I was young, I'd wear board shorts. I was a bit of a tomboy, like the long ones yeah one day after a trip to wet and wild in queensland my inner thighs were bleeding <laughs> so oh, much billabong. Billabong. Those- they were billabong. <laughs> <laughs> i miss those days but the tan lines were horrendous i just have like white up, up to my knees were white and then just like black legs um anyway yeah so my life I'm used to being a chafer and that's fine so like oh what's this learn how to make a thigh gap where you crouch down and then you give yourself like knocked knees mm. or, and yeah so you face your knees towards each other and then it makes the illusion of a thigh gap obviously you take the photo from sort of just the, the mid mid thigh upwards so you don't see that your knees are facing in and I went through a phase of doing that a few times like mm. Because I didn't, you know, know any difference or read into it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is fine. But then looking back, I'm like, that's not good at all. No, but it's just something, right, that like we're sitting here now and saying in the hindsight, you know, Mm. it's toxic to look back on, but everyone was doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like in photos and like just in general, like everyone was trying to create this augmented reality. And it's just because of, again, what is uh, influenced uh, us at the time. Celebrity influences was quite a big thing. Like social media influences didn't really exist back then. It was like celebrities. Social media influences have really only come with the rise of Instagram. So prior to that, we looked up to celebrities Kim Kardashian, like those sorts of people. Um, and that's, again, what influenced the media at the time. Mm. That was freaking Cleo and Girlfriend and Dolly oh, and yes. Peace TV and whatever else and oh, Rage, so like all the yeah. TV shows, right? That's what would influence us, what we would see in commercials, what we'd see in general advertisement and beauty and fashion and all of those sorts of things, runway models. Yes. I guess that sort of like leads to the other one as well is even the size zero craze and like size zero, I don't even know what that translates to Australia, guys, but yeah. it's like zero. Nothing. Like, there's nothing there. When you said it to me, I'm like, are you sure? We looked it up, but what's the thing? Yep. Yep. So back in the day, like back in the day, back in our era, oh, shit. <laughs> when we were growing up, <laughs> there was a bit of um a, what do I want to say? Like a, like a movement, but a bad movement in the fashion yeah. industry with celebrities where like on runway and catwalks, they would only model uh, size zero girls. Mm. And I even remember, like I'm just having flashbacks of like, what those runways look like and yeah. like yeah like I don't even want to don't even want to describe it but 
I think we're now moving into this like really healthy, energized space where diversity um, and body positivity has come to light. And a lot of people like poo-poo body positivity, but it's the best thing that's happened for women in the last 50 years. I kid you not. Like mm-hmm. besides obviously getting rights and everything. Um, yeah, being yeah. Able to normalize and normalize normal bodies, right, is just a massive thing. And someone actually sent me a photo on Instagram the other day, you know, I think it was like New Generation or one of those shops where there was a muscly male- mannequin. So you oh, know the how mannequins have- are changing. Yeah, the mannequins are changing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. that is so cool to be able to see that because we were even speaking like clothes don't fit us properly, you know? Yeah. So when you've got different models and different mannequins and different shapes and sizes, you get a more realistic expectation of what it's going to actually look like. And I love the way it's going. I mean, yes, everything get- can get taken out of context and there's just some things that's like, all right. It's a bit much, but you know, the way that things are heading is fantastic. Everyone is feeling more included, which is great and less um, pressure to fit into a mold. So it would still be good to have the thin mannequins because people still are a size zero naturally and that's fine. But then to have different body types on display Mm. is is brilliant. Just to use that example, but you know, in that industry and in some sports and even in our sport, you know, there are people to get to that um, body composition. You're not mentally well I mean you you sort of just have that um, end goal in mind but then don't consider health and I think now you know more of us and we know about health Mm. we appreciate our body in that sense it's not just about a certain look Um, but back then you know it was very much the craze but if you go before the year 2000 you know we had the curvy models and it was a lot different but to bring it back to 2000 where it was real everything had to be small and skinny and tiny and not eating then yeah it's it's quite alarming that what a time that was history always repeats itself right so you reckon it'll come back I don't know I don't know because history always does repeat itself, goes around in circles. And they show that like, I don't know, like let's say if we looked at the 50s and the 60s and the 70s of how like bodies, even fashion have changed, right? There there was a time where like Marilyn Monroe, like where Mm. like curvaceous uh, women were like seen as healthy um, Mm. or ideal or whatever that might be. I don't know. I'm just throwing words around, but Mm. I hope it doesn't come back uh, because it's not so much the look that comes with it. Like you said, some people are naturally like that, but it's the behaviours yes. um, that come with sometimes having to achieve that look. And mm. I actually did a, um, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. Let's go. I put up a like a before and after. Literally, I posted this thigh gap photo with like a photo of me now. And more so I was reflecting on when I looked in the mirror back then, I looked for the negatives and okay. I looked for, I, I, I critiqued my body and Mm. no thigh gap I looked at those things whereas now when I look in the mirror I don't I look I look at the positives first like I have more of a growth mindset around my actual physique like I don't Mm. worry about fat like me at 65 kilos is no less than me at 60 kilos like Mm. it's no different I Mm. I look and I'll go oh my development here I've been working hard there like and now this is starting to show so it's not so much because of the body it's because of the work I've had to do to get that and Mm. that's what I reflect on now at the moment and when I shared that 
you know, as you do, you get like 200 people support you and then there's like one person that's oh, always, here we go. always going to you. Well, I wanted to share this because it was an interesting perspective. Is Someone um, uh, shared their thoughts on there and, and mentioned that the what I'm doing at the moment is exactly the same as what I did back then. So basically um, saying that that body was um, like the thigh gap, me saying that the thigh gap is not something I should have been striving for. They're saying, well, what you're striving for at the moment is still unachievable in terms of the muscle mass, the development and the training that takes to get that right and for some people that might be the case mm. right for some people like achieving like a le- that level of muscle mass or training four or five days a week or whatever that would be unachievable for some people and mm. to the extreme but for me like first of all did I they read the caption yes I disagree with them but I also mm. was trying to think of where they're coming from because obviously yeah. they're being triggered by you know the the outcome but yeah. I'm just saying is you're always going to have people that think I liked the one on the left, you know, yeah, better than yeah. the one on right. You're always yeah, you get those comments or you looked better. Yep, yep. Who cares? But what I wanted to reflect on is that it's not so much the the images that we're reflecting on at the moment. It's not mm. the physical thing. It's not the thigh gap. It's not the skinny jeans. It's not the size zeros. It's the behaviors that we have to adopt to usually achieve those things and yes. it's usually at the expense of health and wellness yes. like if you looked up some of the crazy things that models had to do to get to size zero you'd be mortified in terms of like eating cotton balls and just well not eating at all right yeah. so being so, on a drip in hospital a lot of yeah, them after yeah. the shows yeah well nourish yeah, that's Ew. alarming that's alarming but there's right? so much money in it man money turns yeah. people crazy and status and all of that like that's what drives people to do those things same with the fitness industry yeah to be honest like, yeah you know, a lot of people resort to drugs and extremes yeah um because they're they believe they're paid off their physique and look for mm. some people it's worked out well you know it, that, for how long though you know what i mean yeah. you'll Define always success. come crashing down because it's not sustainable but i love i love i love what you were just saying about you know it's the actions and the mindset that leads to a certain body you know the body is a product of those things and we need to be celebrating what you did in order to get to that body composition for the for the healthy part so Mm. if if we're holding a little bit more body fat but we're nourishing our body you know we're enjoying life being social got a good libido all of those things that disappear you know that needs to be Mm. rewarded but most importantly just being able to look in the mirror like what you said and and see some positives about yourself you know tell yourself you're beautiful in the mirror like we need to be our own best support and it's it's very hard mm. and it takes time but it's worth practicing find something about yourself that you love and then start there just with one thing and yeah. thank that part i'm all about thanking body parts and thanking things and it's it's a really nice ritual to do just to be appreciative of yourself you know cuz we're only going to get older Mm-hmm. We're only going to get more wrinkly and gray and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's fine. You get some, some milfs or is that appropriate? Whatever. I love looking at older women. I'm like, you're oh. so attractive. Yeah. Like, cause they just own it and it's yeah. fine. But you know, start from now, start yeah. from now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we're all going to look back one day and be like, I can't believe I used to hate myself when I looked like I can't believe I used to like Mm. demonize my physique when it was like that you know I look back at those younger pictures of me I'm like I can't believe I was trying to lose weight that size do you know what I mean it's always in hindsight that we look back and to be honest we're going to do it from now 
Do you know what I mean? Like I hope that as we get older, and I know we will, Danny, like our self-awareness and like self-worth is only going to grow with us. So we're going to be able to look back now and be like, yeah, I was even worrying about that then or that then or whatever. And these problems seem real um, Mm. in the current time. But it's also about, you know, realizing that we're going to go through so many different chapters and we have to learn to be able to appreciate the things that we're going through now in order to be able to grow and develop into the other ones. Yes, yes. Um, And in terms of methods that were promoted back then, we all know 1,200 calories and it's still a number that sticks today, which just blows my mind. It's just something that doesn't die out, Um, even though it is slowly, but it still lingers. You still see it pop up in advertising. You still hear about it. 1,200 calories was the thing. And then just Mm. lots and lots and lots and lots of cardio. Weight training was a thing, but it was more in the form of classes. Well, it was for the men, really. And for men. Weight training was for men and women had to tone up, quote, unquote, with your light pink weights and do a million reps and and all of that. Um, But, yeah, definitely changing. But if you speak to someone who's not in our bubble of, of our industry, they still think lots of cardio and 1200 calories is the way to go. Absolutely. I was having this conversation um, the other day with, with um, like a hairdresser. I was getting my hair done and she was oh, sort yeah. of asking me like what I did. It's always, a ah, don't you love it? what do you do? I'm like, oh, I don't even know where to start. Where do you start? So much easier when I just said I was a midwife. Like they understood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I'm trying to explain to her, like, what I do for work and what our business is and everything. And she was just, you know, as people do, they're curious and they ask questions. They're like, so how do you do that online? Like, what does that look like? You know, they're Mm. trying to understand. So, and especially, like, if they're not, like, maybe um, in the generation that's really tech savvy, that sort of understands how a lot of apps and technology work Mm. um, and how involved it is. But, yeah, I was explaining to her, like, how online coaching worked and, like, how, how, how you could help people achieve their physical goals you know in an online capacity and she was asking me questions about you know just diet nutrition and training and it's really humbling to be honest like it's really good to be able to talk with people like that to be like Mm. you know like people don't like I give everyone the benefit of doubt but common sense a lot of time is not common and I say that like from with love is like it's our responsibility to not get so caught up in the one percenters all the time mm-hmm. of moment arms and resistance profiles mm-hmm. and friggin' drop sets and training intensity and all this sort of stuff when mm-hmm. there's people out there that still think fruit is bad do you know what yeah. I mean like and I, I just I think sometimes those conversations it's so humbling for me to be like you know you've got this like you we need to make a difference for the broader population, not just like everyone that's already nailing it. Like I, I feel that. like the fitness industry is out there to help people that are already healthy and fit. And sometimes it's, it's like a, a rude shock. Cause like, yeah, we all have our niches as well. Like we, mm. and we always love working with people to achieve their goals. Um, and usually they're the ones that are going to be compliant and consistent that we enjoy working with the most, but in hindsight, it's the ones that are still caught up in these like myths and expectations and, gen pop advice um that's actually really harmful to things mm-hmm. like you know these trends that we're talking about you know because yeah. they don't understand the repercussions or what it actually takes to get there exactly and if you're fed something in a magazine where someone's airbrushed and you might not notice that it's airbrushed and they said that they tried this then people are going to copy and i think it's a great point that you brought up a lot of people who are already in the industry that are coaches are stressing about not knowing enough or, you know, my content's not smart enough, this and that, go out in the real world. No one 
cares or knows or understands what you're saying yeah if you're an educator and you work with other other people and you're a teacher or you work at a union you need to know those details for your clients but if you're a trainer don't get caught up in that people out in the real world need your help they need to learn the basics yeah Yeah. so don't as a coach and a trainer don't be too hard on yourself and focus on that tiny little bubble of people that want to know every tiny detail about your methods and things Mm. like simplify it learn the basics and go help the millions of people that need help you know I walked past a a boot camp this morning they're like 30 people you know they they didn't look that fit but Mm. and and their technique wasn't 100 percent. but they were having the best time they were out there on Easter Monday and they were moving and I'm like that is what we need. Like yeah. we need reminders of how amazing that is, you know, yeah. like that's, that's, yeah, we need more attention on that too. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes, yeah, people get so caught up in the small things and putting people down for the wrong reasons when like, mm. a matter of fact, some people just need to move and some people just yep. need to find happiness in what they're doing and a style of training that they actually enjoy mm. rather than being told that's wrong or that's bad or it's not the most optimal. Like, I think that was a big wake up for me with coaching is like, knowing and doing are two separate things, right? Mm. Like people can know what to do um, and still not be able to do it, right? That's that's the art of coaching. That's the psychology of coaching. You can have all the best technology in the apps and you can write the best freaking training program in the world um, if your clients can't stick to it or they're not like following things, they're not compliant, they they don't back you, they don't trust you, they, they don't have a good self-worth or self-esteem, mm. like mm. all those things add up. So yeah. That's the component. And actually, that's one of the biggest things I see missing in coaching is that the art of it, you know, like how do you actually get people to do the stuff and how Mm -hmm. do you progressively overload a habit? You know, like how do you start with less is more? Because everyone has like these systems and these protocols and they just try and fit their clients into it. Yeah. I feel like that's not individualized coaching. Like that's not customized. No. When someone comes in, they go, okay, um, so I'm, I've, you know, I've been to the gym like twice this year and all of a sudden I'm training five days a week. Mm. Like, why does that not work? And it's no mm-hmm. surprise to me, but I just think it's because coaches, like we have these expectations and spoiler alert most of the time they're our own expectations yeah. not theirs. um and we try and push on to people and with of course. good intentions because we know all the things yeah you know we know the most optimal way but a lot of the time optimal isn't practical yeah not if it's not happening and they're like stuff this i'd rather watch netflix it's too yeah. hard yeah. you know and, and coaches you know we get coaches asking us for help how to get more clients and things just don't fall into the trap of being the person who always says what not to do don't do this don't do that don't do that like people want to log onto your page and and learn which is fine give them a solution in a non-aggressive way I know some people love being that controversial person and that's fine but if you're Mm -hmm. not really getting many signups have a look at your content and go am I scaring people away because if I was new I wouldn't sign up to someone that you know swears and says this is shit and like don't do it this way because you're going to make mistakes and that's normal. Yeah. As coaches, we need to understand that people are going to make mistakes, but that's all mm. part of the learning process. It's like you and I, when we learn a skill, you don't become a master at it straight away. So I don't know how we're on this tangent, but just be open to the fact that people still think that 1,200 calories is the way to go, still think that weight training will make you bulky. You know, educate them in a fun, a fun way that's not going to scare them off because yeah. these people need help. Well, I think it's directly related, to be honest, because mm. a lot of the times, like let's think about why people thrive for thigh gaps or six packs or being shredded. It's because it's hard to achieve. 
So it's seen as like a rarity. Mm. So when things are rare, it's if someone has it, they're seen as a high status and high authority a lot of the time. I've never really thought of it like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So a six pack for a female is hard. You know, it's really difficult to get to that Mm. level of body fat. For some people, and this is what grinds me, for some people that are genetically lean, yeah. um, they still get put on the pedestal when it's just their genetics, you know, and that's a big factor too. I think that's really important because when we understand that at the end of the day, a lot of the things that we desire and want is because they're usually un- like unattainable um, either naturally or without a lot of hard work, Yeah, that's why we thrive to get them. So. Mm. I do not genetically walk around with a six pack. It takes me a lot of hard work and, and like a lot of sacrifice to be yeah. able to achieve that. Right. Yeah. And for me, because I know that and because I've been through it, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that sacrifice is not worth that. No point. way. I don't like, look at my old six pack photos and go, oh, I wish I had that because that was exhausting. Everyone that hasn't had the that, outside. they do. They yeah. go, I washboard abs or like, you know, six weeks to a six pack. You know, it's sold to people. Yeah. So I'm saying like when you can understand that, that is the root, they, they're manipulating you, mm. right? They're manipulating. They're like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah. You know, I know you want this deep down. Um, and the same with like anything else. I mean, there are people that hip anatomy and structurally and genetically, they probably have a thigh gap. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But for a lot of people, they don't. So it's also just about the more you know, the more you can uh, detach your expectations from what society is selling you. Yes, yes. We're not here to talk down on people that have these things and we've had them and that's fine, but it's the what, it's what you do in order to achieve it. We just yep. want to make sure that you're okay. It's out of love. It's out of be kind to yourself and then the body composition will follow based on your beautiful choices and habits. Like yep. don't kill yourself to try and achieve a look for the sake of having a look because yep. we've had the look and I, I wouldn't envy myself, you know, the work you have to do, the things you have to compromise. At the time it was great mm. and, and I'm glad I went through it because now I can look back and say it's not worth it. And maybe if you're so fixated on it, try a 1,200-calorie diet, try doing cardio 20 times a day and just get it out of your system and then hopefully you bounce back okay. But a lot of people can't bounce back. That's the thing. We yeah. bounced back. But a lot of people get stuck in it. That's where the dangers are. So I say it loosely, but sometimes you just have to try it and realize how much, how hard it is to get put off. What do you think helped you bounce back when you say, it, you know, we bounced back? What do you think was an integral piece for you to be able to change directions? I suppose I'm talking about comp, but mm-hmm. then I could also talk about the time where my ex-boyfriend made a little comment about that I've put on a bit of weight and that I just took it way too far and went running and stopped eating my burgers and was like, fuck you. And like out of love, he, he didn't mean anything bad by it, but I was just triggered so easily. He could have said the sky's blue and I would have been triggered. Um, so that was, that was a different mindset to comp. Comp, we had guidance, we had education, we had people in the same boat as us, you know, you and I were competing at the same time. I think the difference between doing it in a healthy way and not healthy way and bouncing back was having the education, but then also the reasoning, doing it out of love, not out of someone said something, so I'm just going to prove them wrong. Yeah. Big difference. Does that yeah. Was that clear? Yeah. yeah. I think as well, like when we look at motivation, we're either motivated out of fear or out of like desire, you know, Mm. we're we're motivated out of fear of looking fat or like, you know, not keeping someone happy or coming last. Like when you're motivated out of fear, it usually 
makes you adopt things outside of your values and beliefs to achieve the goal you know a lot of people want the looks that they take the drugs you know it's like and that's fine for some people it's not good nor bad it's just is you know we're either intrinsically motivated for fear or we're intrinsically motivated by some like a why a deeper reason a process something else we want to sort of achieve and I think that like at the start a lot of people get into their fitness journey because they want to look a certain way and that's most people's entry point and that is so yeah, fun it was mine good. you yeah. know we want to look a certain way so usually you get into the fitness industry it's like the first thing that gets you into dieting and nutrition and training etc and that's so fine mm. I guess the the hope for a lot of people is that they do find those intrinsic motivators to be more rather than less at the end mm. of the day and you can start tying it to performance or um, achieving or uh, mental health or or whatever yeah. else you want to attach your your fitness journey to and those things such as mindset community performance as you said they're some of the reasons that keep you in the game for the long haul you know at the start you might have a superficial goal um, such as body composition but it, you can't last forever doing those things so it's really important to tie your fitness journey to something other than just how you look yeah, and arguably something that's subjective too. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. I know we can always think about weight on the bar and even performance, right? But what about how it makes you feel? Like what about like your mental health? What about like stress management? Like I think mm. all of those sorts of things, they are just as equally important as the physical components. Yeah. Um, and I feel like as you get a little bit older, you start to appreciate those things. Like my body starts to hurt when I don't get to train. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like like being um, immobile and like just sitting all day, man, I appreciate just good quality movement just from like Mm. energy um, and productivity. So it's also about recognizing that, yeah, the physical stuff, it's, it's just one element. Absolutely. And, you know, going forward to current times, you know, as we said, um, influence of the 2000s and previous years still lingers, but not as heavily and as in your face as what it used to be. We're becoming influenced in different ways, such as social media, as you said now. Um, But I think more people are really getting around, including different people, which is great. Um, Educating on nutrition, you know, in school, we didn't really learn that much about it, but the school system's changing, advertising's changing, you know, people are becoming really aware, a lot um, smarter, I suppose, in terms of those things. And it's, it's trending slowly, but in a nice way, I feel. Yeah, for sure. I feel like people are more inclined to ask why certain yes. things than rather just accepting and doing and, oh, because it's always been that way or old school mm. coaches, like old school bodybuilding coaches, you'd hear that all the time. It's just the way it's always been. Mm. Um, whereas people really aren't accepting that as an answer now. They're sort of going, why? Uh, the curious people um, anyways, because I think we've had more education around nutrition in terms of like macronutrients and flexible dieting and if it fits your macros and food quality and not just saying, oh, well, gluten is bad. Like bad, why? Mm. For who? What for? Mm. You know, so people are becoming a lot more curious and that is wholeheartedly thanks to social media I believe is because uh, a lot of people that wouldn't have had a voice have a voice now and that's that's what social media is for it's for to create voices and platforms for people to be able to express and this Mm. is obviously both good and bad because obviously social media isn't regulated Um, but I I honestly don't see it as a bad thing because I see it as like is as the consumer you just need to be critical of the the information you're taking off and you need to realize that social media is not PubMed, right? Like it's social media and everyone can just get on there and say whatever the hell they want to and they don't need to reference it, right? It's their opinion. 
I hate when people are like, where's your reference? It's like, this is social media and you're allowed to share your opinion, your experiences, but on the receiver end, you just need to be able to take that with a grain of salt and go, mm. well, it's not like generalized to everyone in the population. It's just Sherelle's experience. It's just Dan's yeah. experience. It's their belief system too. So I think social media does more good than bad, even though there's a lot of people that say it's all bad. I think it does a lot of good as well. Absolutely it does, but it's just about setting boundaries, block people that you don't want to see, unfollow people. Like you're yep. not tied to anyone. Just, yep. you know, be wise about it or put them on mute if yep. you don't want to unfollow them. But yep. um. Yeah, even moving out of social media, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, um, fashion, um, advertising in magazines, even though magazines aren't really as popular these days, mm. images and, and fashion are a lot different now. They're more inclusive again, um, which is nice. So they're still big, big, big ways of being influenced. Oh, yeah, um, sure. Video clips on TV. Um, or even on YouTube, you know, it's it's all it's all heading in a different direction. Some are for, some are against, some are against. I think it's great, but the extremes are extremes um, and probably not necessary, but they are being showcased and everyone's going to have an opinion. But overall, I think it's he- all heading in a really good direction. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And as you mentioned, we're influenced by not only just social media, we're influenced by our family, our friends, yeah. our parents, like yeah. each other. So it's not just the the people with status that we think are influencing us. Like it mm. stems a lot deeper than that too. So it's always about like checking your environment, checking your surrounding um, and questioning the things that are, you know, influencing that as well. Yeah. Um yeah, that's, that's really all I wanted to say on with the current reality. I just feel like mm. there's a lot that's changed. I think obviously the rise of social media is the biggest one yes. um, that's created a lot of shift. And obviously with new platforms coming out as well, that's even going to be more so, um, mm. you know, like TikTok and YouTube and like everything else in between. I feel like everyone is an influencer in their own, in their own way. Yeah, yeah. Just find what works for you and what makes you feel good. Don't follow people that make you feel shit about yourself or question your beliefs or question your intelligence or anything about yourself, you know, just, yeah, you don't have to be a part of anything that doesn't make you feel good. But then also before you sort of go on a block, delete rampage, question that. Why Mm. does that trigger me? You know, put it back on yourself a little bit and and play with that because the person you might be viewing might not be doing anything wrong, but it's bringing something out in you. So just take control and take awareness on yourself. Yeah, really good point. Like all the times about checking yourself. Check and yourself. it's fine as well as like if you're like, yeah, I just, you know, she makes me feel insecure. So I just block, block it. That's also fine. <laughs> yeah. It's just about being like having that level of self-awareness. Um, yeah. I've definitely blocked people just because they piss me off with their advice. Yeah, you got to, yeah. In their general, I'm like, that is bullshit. And I just can't, I just can't fathom myself. Yeah, gets triggered from that. Um, Yeah. But yeah, they'll fizzle out. Imagine what we're going to talk about in another 20 years. I know. In 2020, we did this, but now we do this. Do you have any predictions of things that you might look back on in hindsight that you're currently doing? That I'm currently doing? Oh, geez. I don't, I don't know, to be honest. I can sort of answer for society, but then... Go on. I'm not sure. I reckon it's going to probably get too inclusive to the point where we just make excuses for anything. Mm. Like hard work might fizzle out, you know, because everyone is so accepting and we're all going to get participation awards and and everything's going to be accepted. I don't know. But That's that a- will make the physical things like you know, a lot of the things we've spoken about seem more desirable because they're rarer. 
And then it repeats like what you see, the oracle. She can predict the future. But don't you worry, I don't know. I don't know. It's getting inclusive, but then you get people who it's just being taken a bit too far. Yeah, yeah. What would taking it too far look like? It's it's hard to articulate. I can't even say the word articulate. I want to articulate it in a way that's not too controversial but I still feel like for example with sports you have a winner and a loser and maybe we can change the word loser whatever first place and 14th place I still think that that's okay because whoever comes 14th still needs to learn the skills of resilience that you don't get everything that you want in life straight away and it's not always your way Um, I think if we sort of take away that from people, we will be robbed of valuable skills that help Mm. us become tougher humans and and apply ourselves to a task and and take on feedback. I just don't want that to disappear. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Mm. um, I was actually talking to um, Luke about this last night. We're talking about uh, the Olympics and like Lance Armstrong, um, you know, doping and all of that sort of stuff. Cycling, we're talking about that because I was talking to Luke about the prevalence of steroids at the moment in bodybuilding with women. I just think it's like, you know, the quality is becoming a lot better. And and so I feel like that's directly correlated with like a lot of coaching and and drugs at the moment, which is so fun. It's part of the sport for a lot of people. But I was saying to Luke, is there any other sport where that's legal, where it's allowed to enhance yourself? And he was like, no, and we're talking about that. And I think when you look at how you look as the metric alone, for winning or losing that's that's when it can become damaging because yeah we need to stay in line with your values and what you deceive uh perceive Mm. sorry as success and in general sports i i think bodybuilding is a sport but yeah if i were to make the argument that it's not it's because it's subjective and there's no objective rules yep and i think as well like Mm that's where it becomes tricky when you look at body composition as a sport because there's quicker ways to get there yeah um that that go against a lot of the things we've spoken about yeah but and now okay well we're gonna go down this path we won't we were gonna wrap it up but you know the male swimmer in the female category like that's Mm. that's that's a bit scary and I'm so inclusive and we're so open-minded but like where do you start to draw the line with that stuff I completely agree yeah, you can't, I, agree. I think, look, everyone's allowed to identify as what they want and that's fine. Good on you, but there needs to be boundaries. I also don't want women's sport to be ruined mm. because now whoever versed that person, you know, they put years and years and years and years of training then just to have someone else come in and just mm-hmm. smash literally everyone out of the water. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not nice. Well, when you look at most sports, for example, they have weight classes and they have gender and they have all of those things so that there's a cap. So everyone's yes. capped at the same starting point. Mm. And when you look at sports, men are statistically stronger yep. because they have more testosterone. Mm. We have different advantages being women, like estrogen helps us recover quicker. We don't need as much rest. Like we have different things, but we do not generate the same power as a male due to hormones. Mm. So I completely agree. To me, it's not whether you have a penis or a vagina that mm, distinguishes mm. man to woman. Like in my opinion, it's like hormone profiles. Yeah, Genetics, muscle mass, height. Muscle mass, height. Mm. All of those sorts of things is what, what gives you that, that anchor of like, are you, what's the word? Like handicapped or not, you know, do you have that genetic 
not genetic. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like the I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all sort of another. Um, That'll be interesting because I think yeah. over the next, like you said, over the next ten to twenty years, um, we are going to see this merge, so this like change. You even see it with the toilets at the moment. Yeah, and I think it has to be become. Everything's like a pendulum. You've got one extreme, then it goes to the next extreme. We're we're on our way to a new extreme, and then I think it will come to a middle ground. Or I'm yeah. hoping. Otherwise, it would just turn into a big mess. But you know, we had a real light-hearted, happy, you know, accepting tone on this podcast. But then it would be naive of us to discredit the way that those things are heading as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Mm. Something I was going to say that I feel like I'll look back in the next, you know, ten years and and sort of be like yeah I don't know is a lot of wearables that we're wearing at the moment I'm starting like aura rings apple watches like um health tracking wearables Ah, what do you reckon they're gonna be more or less I was just reading like a a study from um mass the other day that they put out about the accuracy of a lot of things and Mm. I just I wonder whether tracking your data improves it I know that what we say what's measured is what's managed yep but is tracking, does tracking your sleep, knowing that, improve it? I'm not sure. And I would like to see like whether, first of all, the accuracy of a lot of wearables and health trackers, mm. how on point it is. Because if something's like 60% accuracy to me, that's not even worth it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's either really accurate or it's not. Um, mm. And then I would like to see whether in the future, like whether that actually correlates with positive health outcomes, like whether it actually helps. It can, but it can't. I mean, we always share it in a way that is positive because you learn what works. Yeah. You learn. But then we also share that you can become obsessed by it. Um, we also share that they're not completely accurate. Shant, who I work with, he is an exercise scientist and he is getting a study published on sleep tracking in athletes. Um, they're going to mm. use sleep as a progressive overload technique. Oh, wow. Yeah. Someone might travel overseas and their sleep's a bit cooked and, and their patterns are not right. You should train for that. Yeah, so it's a really cool thing that he's doing. And he goes, Danny, you know, your aura ring's not accurate. Real sleep trackers cost like $5,000 yeah. and they're still not 100% accurate. He goes, what we're using in our studies, five grand. Yes. Like, yeah. So I see what, where you're going with that. Um, we might throw it all down the drain. I really mm. hope we don't get health scares. We still need to know what Wi-Fi is going to do to us. Mm. You know, there's still something always on our wrist. We're always near our phone. So that's always in the back of my mind too. I take the risk because you'd be left out of society if you don't have a phone, a computer and, and all oh, of yeah. that. But I wonder what will come up with all that. Kind of like cigarettes. Everyone smoked. Then it sort of came, came out what it does to us. Hopefully it's not as extreme as that. Um, but that's just another thing to think of. Are we going to sort of be put off everything like cigarettes? Mm. Who mm. knows? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see because, yeah, we're at this stage where I think technology and information in general, it's there's so much of it, mm. right? There's so much information out there. There's so many things pointing us in the right direction. But the only way that we know is the right direction is long-term studies, to be honest, to be able to look back and see long-term um, long-term pros or cons you know out of the mm. consequence but you know i think i guess just summarizing like even yeah we'll wrap it up because i'm, we'll I'm coming up. up with more ideas but so we'll, that's another episode 
Yeah, but we really wanted to go over, I guess, like what it was versus what it is now. You know, what what things used to be like and whether that was, you know, expectations and social pressures through society, whatever it might be, to what it is now, which is obviously the rise of like social media influences and an abundance of information and technology and new ways of thinking and doing um, and putting it all together. Because as much as there's a lot of negatives, there's also so many positives to the things yeah. that we've spoken about. And in, in like they outweigh the negatives really at the end of the day like having all of this data like really like you know so it's just about like zooming out and seeing how it all ties together and then potentially Mm. seeing where it takes us yeah I'm proud of us we're all doing a great job as a society you know so it is good we'll go back to the warm and fuzzy side of this episode but things are heading in a nice direction but you know everything needs context and extremes are bad in all cases so just find what works for you and and enjoy the ride we're all on this ride Absolutely. So we do hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, as always, please do take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram. Thanks, everyone.